Hey, Sully, you want to hear a dad joke? Of course I do. Okay. So I was walking into work, and the, my boss told me, all right, whoever is the shortest person here today is going to get fired. And I had a hunch it was me. <laughs> <sighs> that was painful. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the strange world of Christianity. We are your hosts, Zach Stelly and Zach Hilton. And yes, we are both named Zach. Trust me, that's not going to be the weirdest thing you hear on this podcast. We are two regular Christian guys who love to talk about theology, and we want to share some of our thoughts on some of the odd or maybe misunderstood aspects of the Christian faith. So, yeah, welcome everybody. What's up, bro? How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. How about you? Good, good. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's first episode. We get to see if people like us or not. Dude, I am, am I'm honestly just super excited about all the hate mail and people that are going to be calling us heretics after this. It's going to be awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> and just so uh, and just for the listeners and everything like that, we're both extremely sarcastic. So the things that we talk about, sometimes we're serious and sometimes we're not. We'll leave that to you deci- to decide. But uh, <laughs> but sometimes. Um, like that's just that's just our personalities, yeah. and you just invited in in our conversation, really. Yes, I mean we're we're very laid back, and we we we're tackling very serious uh very serious topics here. But I mean, you know, I think there's a lot there is a lot of stigma with Christianity that a lot of Christians are prudes or like just super stoic, and we kind of want to break that. We kind of want to break that and just kind of show that we know that we're weird and that we have some odd beliefs and we want to talk about it and you know hopefully convince you to be weird with us yeah um. <laughs> we're just guys we're but, just guys who believe in jesus and we uh want to explain some of the things that we've learned in our lives to uh everybody else so zach how old are you what do you do and tell me about yourself so i so i am 29 Ooh. um going to, i'm going to be 30 in a couple of months Ooh. um i know the big three oh you're almost dead <laughs> I'm a, I'm already dead inside. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah. Um, I'm gonna be 30 in a few months. Uh, I am on staff at a church in Beaumont, Texas, and it's it's great. I love it. Uh, I get to work with a lot of really awesome people. Uh, the church does a lot for our community, and the pa- the pastor and the lead staff there are incre- all incredible people. So um, yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, I play mu- I play music as well, and I play bass and sing, and uh, I'm mar- I'm married to my beautiful wife Nicole, and uh, we've been married since April, so j- brand new to this marriage thing. But uh, Zach, you're going to co- you're going to college to actually become a pastor. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I am in a I'm 25. I am going to a Bible college called Highlands College in Birmingham, Alabama. But because of the Rona, I am remote right now, and uh, it is what it is, as some people would say. And I just, um, yeah, I'm going to be a pastor, and not one yet by any means. Still got a lot of growing to do. <laughs> We're just a couple of regular Christian guys that just want to talk about really weird stuff. Um, so today's topic is going to be on the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And man, I'm super excited. I'm super excited about talking about this one. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, 
different thoughts when it comes to the Holy Spirit, like um, who is the Holy Spirit, or some people would ask, what is the Holy Spirit? Um, some people would ask, why is the Holy Spirit? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're uh, we're just gonna kind of break down some of those uh, some of those things for you and just take a deep dive. So absolutely, let's get started. Um, absolutely. What? So biggest question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Um, well, Zach, you want to take you want to take that away? I would love to. I would love to. So, biblically, he is the third member of the Trinity. The Trinity is the Godhead, which is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, which was sitting down in Acts two, and um, he definitely had the most um, bombastic entrance out of the Godhead. He came down <laughs> in flaming tongues of fire onto the apostles' mouth in the upper room, and. Um, uh, but today he is a very polarizing, controversial topic because of just the amount of rhetoric around him that could either be true or false. It's very yeah. hard to understand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot. So there's a lot of churches that are out there that uh, fall under the uh, char- category of uh, charismatic. Yes. And when when I say charismatic, I don't mean that they're popular. Uh, basically, charismatic is just uh, that they would call themselves spirit filled. So yeah. they believe in. They believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They work. They work in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm. and yeah, it's a. They can come. Some of them are really, really incredible, and some of them are super strange. And I kind of want to stay away from them. Absolutely. It just kind of depends. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, one question that I think a lot of people have is uh, why is the Holy Spirit relevant to our postmodern society? Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. Um, well, to define uh, society, you have to define what the society is. And postmodernism is the belief of truth. It's the relevance of truth. And so um, being that we live in a society now where truth is very relative to uh, I can have my truth and Zach can have his own truth. Yeah. And so the whole thing about it is to the the confusing part about truth is you can never know what is really true or what is truth. So, for a, a practical example of this is uh, something along the lines of, I believe that socialism is a is the only way is the only functional government. Well, that's a truth. That could be a truth, but it does not uh, that that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Right. And then somebody else could say, well, I believe capitalism is the only true form of government, and that's also a truth, but that might not necessarily be true or not. We're in America, so we believe it's true, but in other places it might not be seen as true. But I believe the Holy Spirit fits into a postmodern society in the sense of, since everybody has their own truth, um, it can really just show that truth can be, um, can be twisted. Yeah. And so I believe the Holy Spirit and God, who created us, came into human form through Jesus, and then the Spirit of God now lives inside of us as Christians— that we understand truth because God who created the world has a grasp on that truth and the Holy Spirit allows us to go through that truth. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the uh, whole reason that I bring that up is because there are a lot of churches here in America that have the uh, big fancy lights. They have the uh, the rock band that's uh, leading worship. They have the uh, incredible motivational speakers and they have no problem drawing in people, you know. They have, they have all the, uh, all the fancy graphics and all the bells and whistles, and they're drawing in people. But you know, 
the fact of the matter is there's a lot of uh, conferences, like secular conferences that are doing the exact same things. And it's like, what what's supposed to set us apart? Like, we don't look any different. We don't look any different from the world. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is supposed to be that uh, that catalyst that really sets us apart. But honestly, if we're trying, if we're trying to be different from the world, we're not, you know. So where is the Holy Spirit supposed to fit into that? You know, it's like it seems it seems to me as though we can operate just fine without the Holy Spirit. Is there a power or something that's missing? You know, can it be more powerful? Yes, so. absolutely. Let me break it down to you like this. All right, Zach, I want to I want you to picture this. Bill and Melinda Gates are going to help you and your wife mentor you and say we're going to help you with your finances until you reach the wealth that we have. Right. Do you take that deal? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so and so Bill's whole thing is he's like, okay, there's going to be certain rules that I'm going to need you to follow, and there's going to be certain uh, plans that I'm going to need you to do, and then I'm going to invest that money into your account to get to the place where you need to be. Right. Okay? That analogy is the same way for the Holy Spirit now. You can make money alongside without the Gates' help. Right. But wouldn't you rather have their help because they are multi-billionaires? Absolutely. They have the experience and everything like that. And so we're talking about the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of every single Christian across, you know, from post-Jesus to the apostles till now. He has some knowledge. He has some wisdom on a lot of different things. Wouldn't you want the knowledge of hundreds, if not thousands of years of other Christians and that God poured into them at certain moments? It's that's the argument that you would make because, yeah, you can choose not to have the Holy Spirit and you can do your life and you can live your whole life just with the Bible and not actually going through the supernatural parts of of ministry and not even ministry, just life. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's a scare. I think there's just some questions because there are a lot of people in the charismatic community. Yeah. That. Yeah, that are, we'll say we'll say suspicious is best. <laughs> so suspicious, I th- how so? So I mean, you see, it's like because we don't see healings every day. Because we don't see healings every day. Yeah, you know, especially living here in America, we don't see things like that happening. You know, we see a lot of people praying, and then those prayers going unanswered. You know, so whenever someone com- some dude comes along and says, oh, but I have the po- I have the power to, uh, you know, an- not necessarily to answer those prayers, but to make some of those things that you've been praying for happen, like healing, for instance. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just kind of suspicious. Like, well, if I have the same power that's living inside of me, why can't I heal that? Why can't I heal that person? So mm. it kind of makes... So it kind of makes you question, like, the validity of, you know, some of these people in the charismatic movement or the word of faith movements and yeah. things like that. So, yeah. you know, what would you what would you say to that, Zach? I would say um, anybody who has the power of the Holy Spirit, and what I mean by that is if you have accepted Jesus in, the, in your heart, it you have the Holy Spirit. Right. There are certain things that, uh, that you have to do, though, to unlock the miracles. And what I mean by unlock, what I mean by that is... You have to understand the Holy Spirit and be in relationship with him. Like back to that Bill Gates analogy, if you just want Bill for his stuff, like it's that relationship is only going to go so far. But if you develop a relationship with him, then you're going to be able to really uh, understand how he got his wealth 
And in the same way, like Jesus doesn't want you for like he doesn't want you just for the stuff that you can that he can give you. He wants a relationship with you. And that goes into the Holy Spirit as well in the sense of a man comes and says, I have the ability to heal. Well, I'm going to be skeptical as that as a person who have seen people healed. Right. Because that's not the right mindset to have. Right. Well, the Holy Spirit works in humility. You're taking your eyes off of you and you're putting it on him. Okay, so are you saying that people who pray for healing that don't see it, are you saying that they aren't? Are you saying that they aren't humble and that's why they aren't that's maybe why they aren't seeing that prayer answered? No, but it's a it's a type of humility of really just allowing yourself to be I guess to be to know what the Bible says, to know that the Holy Spirit can do it, and it's less about the faith of the person and more about the faith of you. This is something that is going to be a little controversial, but I believe it's something that's going to help some people in hearing this is if you pray for healing with someone and you say, Lord, if it wills it, if you will it, then I believe they're not going to be healed a lot more of the time because God's will is to heal. Perfect example of that. What did Zach, let me ask you this question. What was Adam and Eve's punishment for eating the tree? They were cast out. Yes, but what else? Um, they lost a uh, relationship with, or direct relationship with God. Yes. What else? <laughs> um, they had the ability to die. Yes. Okay. So, if you take Superman and Wonder Woman, which is what they were, they were perfect, and then we are constantly like degrading from that, just from DNA and different things like that, then death and sickness was never a part of God's original plan. Jesus came to reconcile that back to himself. What did Jesus do on this earth? He healed and he taught and he developed relationships with people. And so the healing part was a was a reconciliation of Adam, Adam's sin, to now Jesus fulfilling that sin. So whenever you pray for healing, you are actually praying the same way that Jesus did for other people because he's allowing those people to be healed because it's a because it's a part of the new covenant. It right. looks like you're going to say something. What you got? No, 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 no. Okay, you're, you're good. And so that's something that I'm kind of seeing is like if you're praying like God, if it will, if you will it, I believe that God wants to heal every person, and that's just not their final destination. Right. Like like if somebody gets healed, they're going to die. And so like we're not talking about like people who get healed are not going to die. We're just talking about healing is a avenue to either have people come and accept Jesus or as a reconciliation of their life to back to Jesus. So that way they can understand that he still loves them and cares for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Um, so let me ask you a question. Okay. So do you have any objections with either side of how the Holy spirit is move is, is portrayed within the Christian realm? Do you know what I mean by that? So, yeah, um, I fall somewhere in the middle. So, I absolutely, it's like, I was raised in both, in both a charismatic church, and then later, I ended up going to a Baptist youth group. So, I've had my toes in both waters, so absolutely. to speak. Um, you know, and I think because of that, like, I've got, like, I've got a very centrist type of view on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, I absolutely believe that. The Holy Spirit is still working today, and I absolutely yeah. believe that we're supposed to be using the gifts. Um, but you know, I think I think you brought up an excellent point that 
the gifts are not meant for uh, are not meant for us. They're meant to glorify God. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, God gift, gifts us with these things, and they they are gifts, but their purpose is not to, you know, glorify ourselves. They're not to meet our own our own ends. They're to meet God's ends. Absolutely. And you know, I think I think if you're not uh if your ends aren't lined up with God's, then you're gonna be really disappoint. You're gonna be really disappointed, or you're gonna be faking a lot of the uh, so-called giftings that you're getting. Okay. So, how would you word that? Like, what would be a great analogy in the secular world for this topic? Okay, I think a good example of this is uh, Peter Popoff. Who? <laughs> okay, so Peter, so Peter Popoff was a televangelist uh, back in the day. Okay. Um, what year? Uh, I don't remember the year. Don't ask me that. But anyways, Peter Popoff was a televangelist uh, back, I want to say, in the 80s. Okay. Um, and he would go he would go around to different churches, and he'd have, words for, he'd have words for people. He would have prophetic words for people. Yeah. But the th- they found out later that a lot of his prophetic words, a lot of his healings, they were all staged. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's actually recordings of Peter's wife, like, Talking to like they would get the names of uh they would get the names and prayer requests of uh certain people that were in the congregation before the uh before the sermon even started, and his wife would actually like read off some of the information to those people so mm. it would make it seem like he was accurate. So I mean you see things like it's like you see things like that, and I mean he was like selling he was like selling like holy water and stuff like that. I yeah. mean it's, it's weird things like that that you see in uh in the Christian community. And and you know I don't I'm sure he's not the only one I mean yeah there there have been many things similar things said about the people like Benny Hinn yeah you know about him uh, having people planted like people that he would heal were planted in the audience yeah so you know I, it's like again I believe that it's like I absolutely believe that healing is possible that I believe that prophetic words are possible but I've all but I always question. My biggest question is why don't people why don't we see more of that if we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that's living inside of us if mm-hmm. we have that exact same power yeah it's like we should all be able to do things like that now yeah. granted we I don't believe that we all have the gift of healing I don't think yeah. I mean we don't all have the same abilities that would that would just be ridiculous yeah um, <laughs> you know we it's like God's gifted us with each with specific abilities but we don't see a lot of people working in those abilities, at least not from my perspective, we don't. So I think if it comes from a lack of um, traffic in uh, many churches, even charismatic churches, uh, you would find very little of them that have like straight up healings and prophetic words in the middle of their services, just because there's a certain flow and system just to honor people's time. Right, and so a lot of that stuff is usually done either by, um, like our church, we have small group leaders who are who have the ability to teach that kind of stuff, or also just people who do it on their own. I mean, I've seen people healed just by praying for them before. Does right. that mean I healed them? No, I was just a vessel that the Holy Spirit used in that moment. Right, and so it's different things like that that are seen, but not necessarily spoke on. Yeah. And it really just goes down to the vision of each church on a Sunday. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 All right. So 
that's an interesting point to be made because, um, like of this Peter Popoff guy, like why would you want to kind of like sneak in and steal prayer requests and everything like that? Like, I would find that a lot. That's kind of like schemey, especially for the fact of like if you're selling stuff, like, like why? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And well, and, and this is the thing: it makes people not trust in the church. It yeah. makes people. It's like if they're already teetering on the edge of like believing in the gifts of the spirit and the Holy Spirit and all yeah. that. It's like they find out that, and then they're like, they swear off of it. Absolutely. It's like they, they, it's like they want nothing to do with it. Absolutely. And I don't. And honestly, I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, it's something. It's something that we need. It's like. That's why I think talking about the Holy Spirit and teaching them about the Holy Spirit in churches and getting really getting a handle on this is extremely extremely important. Yeah. Because it's like if we have more of these if we have more of these people showing up, it's like we're not going to we're not going to be able to tell, you know, who's the phony and who's not. Absolutely. It's like so we need people who actually are working in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But you know, part part of the problem is they don't know what that is or what that Absolutely. really looks like. Absolutely. So, you know, let's let's talk about some of the uh gifts of the Spirit, you yeah. know. Um Speaking in tongues, for instance, like yeah. what, what's your? <laughs> the, trust me, this this has been a turnoff for a lot of people. Absolutely, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It, That's why we're lot, tackling it. I mean, there's a lot of uh, even in-house uh, debates on what speaking in tongues is. So, yeah, uh, Zach, what's your what's your view on speaking in tongues? My view on speaking in tongues is, well, t- you have to go to First Corinthians 14, and I don't have my Bible in front of me right now. But one of the things it says is it says, uh, earnestly pray to speak in tongues, but more that you would prophesy. And so what speaking in tongues is to me is in the Bible it was used to deter to interpret other languages. Right. You see that in Acts two and three with the apostle Peter, and uh, the Holy Spirit fell on him in tongues of fire, and then the hundred and twenty or so in the upper room they came outside and they spoke all the languages of the people who were there at Pentecost. Right. And in that speaking they were able to hear their own tongue. They were able to hear their own language. And so I don't speak another language, but I have many friends who speak multiple languages. Whenever they are spoken to in their native language, it's almost like there's this pressure off. It's like they get to flex a muscle that they haven't before. And so that's why I believe 3,000 people got saved at that place is because they heard the gospel in a comfortable, in a comfortable, intimate setting. And so in a lot of ways, uh, that's what speaking in tongues is. Right. But then you have people that are speaking in gibberish, it seems like, that it's not it's not any kind of language. Yeah. That, I mean, you have people like running through the church house yelling, oh, about a Mazda shit about a Honda. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like that's not another language. So what is that? And I know that there's a there's a school of thought out there that speaking in tongues is not just speaking in uh you know other worldly languages but speaking in tongues is also speaking in prayer languages yeah so expound expound on that a little bit cuz sure. that's something that i never could i can't find anything in scripture that really supports like the idea of a quote unquote prayer language but uh, I I know some people have said that there is there. So if you have any information on that, please enlighten us. <laughs> well, uh, just shows my lack of preparation for this. So thanks, Tilly. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but one of the things with that as well is it really just comes down to interpretation of the Bible. Because you could say that Paul in that same chapter used his prayer language because he says no one has spoken in tongues more than I have. 
But it also says there that the speaking of tongues is meant to edify the church, while prophecy is meant to edify each person. So there's an argument from Scripture that could say that speaking in tongues should be done publicly within the church. I'm not saying that's true or untrue. That's just an interpretation of the Bible. Well, but let me let me let me finish with this thought: is I believe that speaking in tongues is a personal language of the Holy Spirit, and the gibberish and everything like that. German sounds like gibberish to people who don't speak German. I mean, that's true. But and so, other languages sound like gibberish to other people who don't speak them. And so the whole thing that you would have with that is somebody speaking in a prayer language, it might be gibberish to you because you might not know the language. Does that make sense? Okay, so you're saying that a prayer language, so a quote-unquote prayer language is the same thing, it could be the same thing as speaking in a different language. So it's, Yes. So it could, like, what I'm hearing is gibberish could be Japanese. Yeah, because I've never because I've never spoke Japanese. I don't yeah. know, I don't know what that sounds like. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, I don't know though because it seems like even if I don't know the even if I don't know the language per se, mm-hmm. I can tell I can tell where just by listening to the dialect and just by listening to the tone and yeah. everything like where that where that is from. Yeah, like I've ne- it's like. I, it's like I don't speak Spanish very well, but no. I can hear words and be like, I can hear certain words and be like, okay, I know that was Spa- I know they're speaking Spanish in that. In that but moment. that's the whole thing. You know, it's Spanish because you've heard enough Spanish to know that it's Spanish. Well, I mean, I've never I, I've never spoke any German. Yeah, but uh, actually, that's not true. Uh, Darth Vader is actually German, <laughs> <laughs> so I technically have spoke German. <laughs> but 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 you made a good but, point there. Is you know it was Spanish because you've heard enough Spanish to know words in Spanish. In the same way, and I'm just saying, this is an interpretation of what speaking in tongues could be. The more you do it, the more you get familiar with it, and something that might be gibberish to something else could be familiar to someone who does have the gift. And also, I'm not saying that everybody has the gift. Right. Not everybody has the gift of speaking in tongues. Right. But if you do have the gift, then you should practice it like you should practice anything else. Okay. And does that make sense? Yeah. And as far as, like, spe- you mentioned uh, speaking tongues speaking in tongues in church and i 100% agree with that that's it biblical yeah it says to uh speak in tongues in church but it also says to have an interpreter with you yeah i see things like that and i'm just like well where are all these interpreters cuz all i see like when i go to a charismatic church or a charismatic service is just a bunch of people speaking in tongues and there's nobody to interpret so okay. are they so are they in the so are they in the wrong like what like what's your what's your view on that? What I would say is on the interpretate on the interpretation that usually comes in the form of prophecies. And so a prophetic word um, is um, it's a word for somebody from God. Okay, so whenever you speak in tongues, you are speaking the same language as the Holy Spirit. And whatever the Holy Spirit is saying in that moment, that's whenever an interpretation comes in. Right. And a lot of the times, the person that is speaking in tongues is also interpreting. So a perfect example of this is uh, I was at a um, I was at a prophetic conference. No, not just a prophetic speaker was coming, and she was speaking in tongues and interpreting it at the same time. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily say that there needs to be an interpreter that is a separate person along with the person speaking in tongues. But the, but whatever is being spoken in tongues needs to be interpreted by somebody. Yeah, and but it also it's depends same... on who it's for. That's what I would say as well. Sometimes you're speaking in tongues just to give praise to God, and if you happen to have a microphone in your hand, well, 
so be it. You can and speaking in tongues is something that you can control, but you don't understand what you're saying. Your spirit is speaking, not your brain. Okay. So it's kind of like if you've ever been to the doctor and somebody and they do that little knee jerk test. Right. That's not your brain reacting. That's just your body reacting to something that already does. Think of like that in a spiritual sense. Okay. Um, then why did Paul make it such a big deal that there be interpreters? Because because okay, I mean, continue. It's very. I mean, it's very obvious that he made it sound like there was a problem with people speaking in tongues but not having an interpreter. So. That has to go back to the context as well. If you're talking about first century Corinth, there were um, the context of that is there were these women who basically ruled this culture. They were like um, they were prophetesses of Aphrodite and they would come in and speak in all these different languages to confuse people. Okay. So if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that it lays out the gifts of the Spirit, and it says these are all di- these are all different gifts, but of the same Spirit. Right. So people would speak in different languages in this context and culture, and then they would have to know that this was all coming from the same Spirit and not like a different Spirit. Okay. So it would be like if you healed somebody that was from Aries. Or if you uh, if you had faith here that was from Zeus, or if you spoke in tongue that was from Dionysus, or if you uh, performed some kind of miracle that was from Aphrodite, this was a cultural thing that Paul was talking about, and he was saying, no, all of these are coming from Yahweh, are all coming from the Holy Spirit. Okay. So con- context is important whenever you look at these scriptures, so that way you know what they're actually saying. Okay. So. There, so there's no there's no problem with speaking in tongues in church in yeah. front in front or even in front of people, but it yeah. needs to be interpreted now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, let me kind of read your mind. So what I'm kind of thinking with that is, yes, it does need to be interpreted. So if it doesn't, so if it's not interpreted, is that a false way to do it? Possibly, yeah. Because, yeah. like, there needs to be a understanding in a group of that. Right. So, yeah, I would say that, but I would say that doesn't damn a person. That person's not yeah, a heretic. No, no, obviously it doesn't damn a person. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I uh, heard uh, it was Mark Driscoll talking on on this very topic. Oh, you Mark, know. Mark, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Mark Driscoll. Um, so he, uh, he said that he was in a Starbucks. Yeah. And... This uh, girl walks in, order, oh, orders yeah. a coffee, <laughs> goes and uh, sits down, yeah. and, you know, nothing nothing weird about that. And then uh, while she's sitting down at her table, she starts to take off her shoes. I mean, you know, not necessarily, it's a little odd, but yeah. not com- not completely out of the ordinary. Yeah. I mean, I like to take my shoes off whenever I can, especially <laughs> if I'm, like, wearing socks or, uh, not socks, <laughs> if I'm wearing Crocs or uh, yeah. sandals or something. Absolutely. But uh, she then... Pulls out fingernail clippers out of her bag, yep. and then starts clipping her toenails at yeah. the table. Yeah. Now, her clipping her toenails is not wrong at all. Like, there's nothing wrong with clipping your toenails. No. And there, there's nothing necessarily illegal about clipping your toenails in no. a public place. No. But it's weird. Th- it is weird. It's <laughs> not exactly appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so you know, the same thing goes with speaking in tongues. You yeah. Know? Speaking speaking in tongues, it's a norm. It's a normal thing, or it should be a normal thing. Yeah, it's a it's okay that it's being done in public, but there are like there are some boundaries with that. You Absolutely, know? You, it's like it's for the edification of the church. It needs to be ed- whatever 
you or that person is saying needs to be edifying the rest of the church. And if nobody understand, if nobody like, I mean, nobody understands what they're saying, then it's you turn people off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's literally going to scare people. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I've heard so many stories of people getting scared off because they went to a church and they started speaking in tongues, and it's like. <laughs> but that's a good thing to mention as well. Is we talked about the charismatic side of it. There's another side of the Christian spectrum about the Holy Spirit, and it's the it's what would be called the conservative side. And we're not talking about conspir- conservative politically. We're talking right. about conservative po- like um, spiritually. And just a very brief, clear analysis on that is they believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and that God gave us the Bible as a tool for our life. A hundred percent agree. But the whole thing that I believe is missing there is the miracles and the works and everything like that, which a lot of the people in these in this movement are uh, Calvinist cessationists, which is the complete cessation of the Holy Spirit, which is also leaving out parts of the Bible that they use so much. Which well, why, is if it's in the Bible, why would they leave it out? I would say just because it's an it's a very uncomfortable thing. Because the whole thing is, as someone who has been um, used by the Holy Spirit, it's scary. It's almost dangerous sometimes. And you're in control, but you're being influenced in a way that is, uh, that is heavenly, but it's also scary. Right. Like in Isaiah 6, whenever he was before God the Father, he was on his face. And so the first word of the Holy Spirit is holy. So he's going to check every single room of your heart to find any kind of junk, and he's going to purify that. Right, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a scary thing. Yeah. But the thing about this is the thing about, like, uh, Baptists, which is— Falls into the yeah, conservative side. Let, that we're let, talking let, about. Let's let's marginalize that a little bit more. Let's talk about like, are we talking about like, like almost like Calvinist Southern Baptists? Yes, that's exactly, okay. Yeah. Yes, so because uh, Stephen Furtick is a Baptist. That's true. That's true. <laughs> fair, fair point. Um, but yeah, like Southern because it's very super ultra conservative Southern Baptists. Yeah, it's like you say they may be scared of working in the whole the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but they have absolutely no fear. When it comes to like other things, like oh, I don't know, like excommunicating people because they're gay, or <laughs> yeah. like you know things like that. I mean, just being real honest. I mean, you know, standing out in the streets and preaching. Yeah. But they, but they're scared of the Holy Spirit. That that doesn't make any sense. They they have a, I think, they have to have some biblical reference for why they don't why they believe that the gifts stopped. I would say that happens because they do not see it outside of the apostles. Because and the whole thing is they're great, they're big on the Bible and I completely 100% agree with them. The Bible is God's word. But I would say also like you have to open yourself up to the idea that Jesus uses other people and the Holy Spirit uses other people besides the apostles in the scriptures. Exactly. And a lot of that stuff that you're talking about, just preaching on street corners and there, um, there's some kind there. Sometimes I would say marginalization of the homosexual sin is also a generational thing. Most Southern Baptist Calvinists are old. 
Yeah, this is true. <laughs> and so, like, this is what they grew up with. So, like, in the 50s and 60s, like, they used a lot more um, politically incorrect words to describe people who had same-sex attraction than we do now. Yeah, exactly. So we've kind of evolved as a society, which they haven't. Right. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. That that's up to you to judge. Yeah. But that is something that happens a lot of the times with these with these kinds of people. Right. But I believe this goes back to the Holy Spirit in the sense of everybody has their comforts. Right. And so like I'm I have to go work out tonight. Does that make me comfortable? No, but I need to do it. Right. <laughs> and so those are the kind of things is getting uncomfortable helps you grow. But here's the great thing about our God is he can allow you to stay in one place and he's still going to love you in that place, but he wants you to have more. Right. So we've covered the, uh, the relevancy of the Holy Spirit in a postmodern society. Like it's it's like you can operate. We can operate as Christians without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But you're seriously crippled. It's if you do. So, yeah, um, we, we've talked people about, are tough. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about. You know, the gift of healing. We've talked yeah. about the gift of tongues. Um, one thing that you had mentioned earlier is that we need to have a close personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. So um, what it's like, what is that, you know, for a lot of people, you know, they, they hear the phrase, need to have a close personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So what that translates for a lot of people is, I, okay, I pray, I read my Bible, but... It's like I feel like there's more to it than that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's really hard. It's really hard to get a grasp on, you know, praying to a an entity that doesn't talk back to you, mm. or doesn't or, or doesn't audibly talk back to you. I doesn't audibly talk back to you. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. You know, so, what? So, I mean, what would you say to people that uh, that are struggling with that? Like, what? Like, what does a close personal relationship with the Holy Spirit look like? It looks like um, really just any other person, and this is what I mean. Think of listener. Think of your think of your closest friend. Like if you want to truly know your closest friend, you're going to talk to them. You're going to be in relationship with them. You're going to invite them out to things, and they're going to in return talk to you, respond to you, and different things like that. God is similar but different. And so to have a deep personal connection with the Holy Spirit, it's someone who never leaves you. It is someone who sees everything that you do, good or bad. And a lot of people use that as kind of like a, you know, a means to control. But I think it means like God sees your actions. He sees your heart and he understands where you're coming from with these things. And I think this is important for a lot of people to hear. Like, God doesn't only love you, he likes you. Yes, absolutely. And so, like, and that's a hard thing because, like, sometimes we don't like ourselves, but God likes where we are. And, you know, that can be very meaningful for somebody to hear that God likes them, not just loves them. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people that I love, a lot of family members that I love that yeah. I don't necessarily like. I don't really connect with them. Like, I don't, and the reason I don't like them or connect with them is because I don't understand them. You know, they, they have a completely different uh, way of thinking. And you know, Absolutely. I love them because they're family, and I would cry at their funeral, but I don't necessarily want to go uh, on a road trip with them or go on vacation with them. You know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with them because, you know, I don't like them. I don't connect with them. Where God not only loves you like a, like a child, but he likes you and connects with you and understands you and wants to connect and wants to connect with you. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But the whole thing with the Holy Spirit is you have to get out of the Americanized way of seeing church. The part of something that happens a lot of the times in American Christianity is we, we become spectators. 
we start to uh, go on Sundays, and uh, we listen. We go to worship. We maybe we maybe lift a hand. Then after that, we go out and eat. Right. And that's all we have, and we and we have that checklist off of our list for yeah. the for the week. We 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 got our Christian box right there. And then for Easter and Christmas, we go twice. And for a lot of people in the country that we live in, that's their version of Christianity. Right. And I believe God wants more than that. Absolutely. I, Dude, I'm 100% with you. It's like God is calling us to way more than that. You know, you know, I'm, it sucks that we don't see more people operating in the gifts of the Spirit because, dude, you know the life change that could happen if people were actually if we saw more of the like those fifteen like those fifteen hundred uh mega churches like fifteen hundred people mega churches yeah like if every single one of those people were acting in the gifts of the spirit that God gave them dude an revival entire, would break like, out at every area it would just take one of those to make a revival break out absolutely but you know the prob the problem is we have people that are trying to operate in the spirit but. They're so, for lack of a better word, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. <laughs> it's like you know, they're they're it's like they're they're not connected to real. They're not also connected to reality, which I believe that God calls us to not only you know see what He's doing, not only to uh, be mindful and uh, set our minds on heavenly things, yeah. But we need to also be aware of like our surroundings because. You know the average uh, the average Joe that doesn't know Jesus yeah. or do- has no clue about Christianity whatsoever. They're gonna. It's like they're not gonna know. Like they're not gonna understand you speaking in tongues. They're not gonna understand yeah. you like when you're just like spouting off scriptures like store up your treasures in heaven or you know and don't ex- and you don't explain yourself. They're gonna be like, what are you talking about? All I'm, it's like all I know is my treasures are here on earth, kind of thing. You know, it's like. You start uh, talking about all this stuff that they don't understand and not explaining yourself, they're going to think you're crazy. And the reason they're going to think you're crazy is because that doesn't happen all the time. You know, uh, you don't see, they don't see Christians going out and healing people. They don't see Christians going out and prophesying and, you know, discerning spirits and all those things. They don't see that. What they do see is a bunch of Christians that are just like them. They go through the same problems. They have a lot of the uh, same, like, sin issues and the only difference is that they're more judgy and that you know they have somewhere that they go on Sundays and that's not what uh we should be known for that's not what Christianity and Christians should be known for but imagine if the thing that people associated Christians with was love was with healing was with prophesying it's like, was raising people from the dead? You know, that's what uh, the early Christians and Acts were known for. It's like, that's what drew that's what drew people in, you know? And it's like, if we saw that happening every day, man. Yeah. It's, it's incredible to imagine. But, and we, but yes, it's sir. like, we're never going to, though we're never going to get to that point if we don't start teaching people, like, what the whole, who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates and how, and, you know, discipling, you know, not just learning about Jesus, but learning about how to operate in their gifts, in yeah. the spirit, in the right way. You know, and not going, not going too far. You know, and you know, speaking gibberish that nobody else is going to understand. Yeah. You know, or things like that. So, yeah. And I would say, along with all that, which that was very good, good job, bro. Um, to understand and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to invite Him in. 
this is something everybody can relate to is it's it's usually it's about fall right now it's about what early to mid october yeah we got thanksgiving coming up and then we have christmas coming up we're going to gain some weight. <laughs> and so what's going to happen come January is we're all going to have our New Year's resolutions. Right. Of, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to do this. I want to get on that treadmill every day. Then you stop like February or if you're really good, mid-March. And so and so the whole thing is um, that is kind of how we view God in the sense of it kind of is a seasonal thing. Right. And so, um, and so that's a lot of, so we can view God in that same way in the sense of it becomes a seasonal thing of, you know, um, we have to get uncomfortable to, re- to achieve our goals. Right. And whenever the, it says in Ephesians 6, this is the armor of God. It said that the spirit, that the word of God is a sword that separates the soul from the spirit. So the soul is the mind, will, and emotions of a person. And then the spirit is the spirit of God that lives inside of us. And so a sword cuts it's uncomfortable to lose weight. It's uncomfortable. Right. So to be able to be in relationship with the Holy God, he's going to reveal things about you that are uncomfortable and you have the ability, whether or not to either look at those things, say, okay, I want to change this and then change them and then grow more and develop a relationship. Or you can be like, no, 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 I don't want you to touch that area. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that's where a lot of people are today is the Holy Spirit is actually driving them and pulling them to himself and being like, look, I want to free you from this. But they're less like, but I like this. And he's like, OK, I'll come back in another year. Well, I think I think that's part of it. But yeah, I think but I think it's not just a, uh, it's not just a matter of uh, apathy or complacency. I yeah. think part of it is just a, a lack of understanding. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are in that are in the Christian uh, in Christian circles that want to operate in the gifts of the spirit, but they don't but they don't know how or they don't know what that looks like. And, you know, there's a lot. I mean, there's also just a lot of weird things, especially in charismatic circles. Yeah. As far as, like there's a lot of uh, new agey kind of things like. Uh, oh, I, I got a story for that. So I was at this one meeting and I saw that um have you ever heard that um that Jesus's blood is is considered wine or sometimes it's portrayed that in the last supper? Right. So I went to a charismatic meeting and there were some people laying down in all white because they, you know, pureness or whatever. And they started to pour like wine on top of them as a way of purification. Oh my god. <laughs> And so that's weird. Yes, yes. But I would also say to that as well, like, kudos for you for trying. (laughs) Like, I'm proud of you, but, like, it's a little weird to people who are outsiders of that. Right. And, you know, uh, like, what are some other things? Like, um, um, what's what's the weirdest thing that you've ever heard from, like, a Pentecostal or Charismatic? Oh. um. like what's one of the weird like what are some of like the really weird things that you hear from like charismatics okay. and Pentecostals? I got one. So, um I was not in person for this, but I heard about this. Quick fact about me, I am deathly afraid of snakes. And so there's this verse in the Bible, it's uh John sixteen, no, Mark sixteen rather, where it talks about the handling of snakes. Now, I personally do not uh, do that, but I remember one of my friends of mine went to one of these churches where, like, if you get bitten by the snake, then the Lord will heal you. And he was very skeptical at first, as I was. 
And he let this snake bite him, and this was like a Texas rattlesnake. Oh, my God. <laughs> and those things, like, it creates a necrosis effect of, like, as soon as it bites you, it kills the skin cells. Right. So, like, you have to get, like, a skin graft so that way it repairs. Yeah. They were praying for him, and he didn't get healed. See, that's, dude, that's exactly the kind of weird <laughs> stuff that I'm talking about. It's like, <laughs> that, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> and the craziest thing about it is they blamed him for it for not having enough faith. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you supposed to do? It's like, you're the idiot who let a, a freaking snake bite you. Yeah, so <laughs> this church allowed him to get bit by the snake. The snake bit him. He had to go to the hospital, get a skin graft on his arm, and then the healing didn't even work. It's crazy stuff like that. And he didn't sue. I would have sold. I would have sued. Heck yeah, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Oh my God! See, these are the things that scare me about uh, the about the uh, charismatic movement, and you know, and I'm not trying to hate on charismatics. I don't think that I I, I have a lot of people that are that are in the charismatic movement. Um, my wife actually is a, is very charismatic herself. And, yes, and I I kind of I kind of view myself as a assembly of, assemblies of God, but with a seatbelt. Yes, um, <laughs> so. But it's like you hear stories like this, and it's like <laughs> it makes you angry. Yeah. It's like, but it also makes you question, like, the validity of, like, okay, is this really how the Holy Spirit works? Is this real? Are the gifts really for today? If that's supposed to be, if, like, I don't know. But kind of to shift gears, though, give me an example of a work of the Holy Spirit that could not be explained that ended up in, some, in a miracle happening in your life. Okay, so, you know, I can't think of any—that's the thing. I can't. Or think that of, you heard of. Yeah. It's like, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head that I just absolutely can't explain. I have had instances of the Holy Spirit— talking to me now it's it's never in a in an actual like audible voice but no. it's it's more like a uh, something comes to mind that there was no reason for that to come to your mind at all yeah um i remember uh i so i used to work in a restaurant years ago and you know working in a restaurant you you meet a lot of strange people there's this yes. uh, one guy that that worked there and he was uh, i was working in a deli and he was the meat slicer so he would he would just stand at his table, cut meat all day, and then go home. Mm. Now, this guy, anytime you walked past him, like he was super hostile, and just like as soon as you walked past him, like the dude like curse you under his breath, and you could hear it, or he'd curse you just out loud, just for, <laughs> just for walking back, just for walking past him. It's like uh, this dude was crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, we had one late. We had one lady that uh that was working there, and she passed by her and he like straight up just like called her an ugly b word oh wow yeah and i man like I the was, one that means a dog yes <laughs> that <Ooh>. one <laughs> dude i was livid yeah because like this lady's a super sweet lady yeah. never hurt never hurt anybody yeah and i it's like i remember i was just like i just want i just want to go up and hit this guy right now yeah. i just want to go punch this guy and then yeah. uh, i felt the spirit of god tell me no, you don't need to do that. Yeah. What you what you need to do is undid what he did to her. I felt the spirit tell me, go to go tell that woman that that you have a word from me and that I believe that she that she is beautifully and wonderfully made. Mm. And tell and tell her that I love tell her that I love her and that everything that I got said was a lie. And just yeah. completely and you know, 
I believe I 100% believe that was a work of the Holy Spirit because that's not something that I would just like think to do in that moment. Absolutely. You know, it's like to undo like the words undo what he did. And like that would that would not even have been a thought at that point in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So I absolutely 100% believe that that, that that was the Holy Spirit absolutely. talking to me. Absolutely. So um yeah. But wow. like I've never it's like I've never seen any like actual like I've never seen any like instant healing yeah. or I've never seen people raised from the dead or yeah anything anything like that you know I hear about stuff like that yeah. all the time but uh I got a healing story so I was working at a retail store um in my small country town um and it was probably uh, I got off at 8 that night it was probably around 7:20 and there's this guy that comes up in a uh, walker and so he was at probably around mid thirties, uh, really good shape, and just start just striked up a conversation with me. He was extremely friendly, and one of the things that uh, that we got to talking about, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, "Hey, ask him about his knee." And I was just like, "Sir, is your knee okay?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, man. Like I heard it during football whenever I was a senior in high school, and it just hasn't been the same since." And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, "Hey, pray for him now." And so I uh, go, and I was just like, hey, sir, I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray for your knee? And uh, he was just like, yeah, do you know what's wrong with it? And I just automatically heard, I was just like, you tore your MCL and your meniscus at at the third quarter of the game, and you haven't been able to put any weight on it since. Whoa. (laughs) And so I heard that, and uh, he was just like, okay, yeah, you can pray for me. And so I get down there. And I was just like, okay, I, I just prayed a simple prayer of just like, Lord, I just want to pray that you would just heal this man's knee right now. And my hands got hot. And as they were heating up and everything like that, I feel like tears on the back of my neck. Like as he, as I'm praying and everything. And so um, I stand up and I say, hey, sir, can you try and walk without the cane? And um, basically what happens next is he puts all his weight on this foot and he starts to ball. And uh, basically he just said, I don't know what you just did, but I feel no pain now. And I was like, man, Jesus just healed you. And he was like, who's Jesus? And I was just able to share the gospel with them. And I was just able to see uh, Jesus come and move in his life just from that short five minutes. And I remember he walked out of the store like sped walk out of the store and I caught him I was like hey man you left your cane and he was like look man keep it and I have that till to this day oh my gosh that's awesome yeah <laughs> and so uh it's it's very possible to do it you just have to be able to um to be open to the possibility yeah uh, I think you know uh one of the weirdest uh healing stories I've ever heard was uh Smith Wigglesworth oh Smith uh dude so <laughs> Smith for those of you who don't know Smith Wigglesworth was a uh he was a preacher back in the I think 1800s. Yeah, 1800s. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of like weird stories about about that guy. Yes, but uh, one of the strangest I ever heard was that uh, was it was the baby dead? Something like that. I okay. think he went to the funeral and okay. yeah he he went to he went to the funeral and took the baby out of the casket and drop kicked the baby. <laughs> he drop kicked this dead baby's corpse. <laughs> And the baby came back to life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> number. It's like I don't understand why he had to drop kick the thing yeah. to make it come back to life. But it 
it's it's recorded that the baby it was the funeral and the baby came back to life. It's really <laughs> funny. I learned about him in my uh, in my biblical interpretation class. And Smith Wigglesworth was probably the most. Um, he didn't have a filter, so uh, he he, he kind of came off as rude many times. I mean, he drop kicked a baby. That you can't <laughs> get much ruder than that. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's other stories of him doing that as well, like going into funeral homes, grabbing the body and throwing it against the wall. <laughs> and so here's the thing. It's up to you to decide whether it's true or not. But here's the thing that I want to ask you is if it's real, would you believe it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that's the crazy thing about it, because he was a part of this movement in the 19, I think it was 1902 called the Azusa Street Revival. Yeah. Where uh, it was in Azusa Street, California. I forget. I think it's L.A. And um, it was just this place. I think it was like a supermarket or something. And these people gathered and they got healed. And it, it sparked this great revival in that area, which uh, which uh, kind of grandfathered in the Jesus people movement. Yeah. It came from uh, those kids or those grandkids of those of those people. And Smith Wigglesworth played a great role in that. I think he was in like his 70s at that point. Right. And uh, he was one of those people that really played a role, a prominent role in the Azusa Street Revival. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Indeed. Yeah. Bible college, it's, it's worth it if you go. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. So what is some advice that we could give to listeners that are uh, maybe looking for a church that is spirit-filled that you know, can actually properly teach them, you know, about their gifts and the Holy Spirit, how to operate in those gifts. Because, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there is a lot of charismatic churches out there. There's a lot of Pentecostal churches and uh, Assemblies of God churches that all are spirit considered spirit-filled. But, I mean, a lot of them are also crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, how do you, it's like, how do you determine, okay, these people are crazy, these people are crazy. And these people are on the right path because, I mean, yeah. you know, operating the gift, I mean, they could be simulating the gifts. Yeah. But and they could look really similar, but it not be actually it not actually be the Holy Spirit. In fact, it could be like other spirits entirely. Yeah. So like how. Do, so like how are we supposed to uh, discern like, OK, this is this is an actual spirit filled church or these people are faking it or these people are satanic or like demonic. Yeah, yeah. You know, how do, how do we discern that? Uh, I will take this from two different issues. I'll talk about the spiritual side. Then I'll talk about like the, the church side of things like actual finding a church. Yeah. The spiritual side of things, it says in first Timothy four to test every spirit to see. You, and as you test that spirit, you're seeing who Jesus is and what he's done. So if you feel something coming over you, that um, whether it's the Holy Spirit or not, there's a couple questions you have to ask. Who is Jesus and what has he done? Because right. it says in the Bible, anyone who can sa- who says, Lord, Lord, like has the Holy Spirit inside of them. And so that's a very important thing to realize before you call somebody a mystic, before you call somebody a Satanist or anything like that, you have to ask that crucial question. Right. But along with that as well is um, now onto the church side of it. I would say if you're really looking for a place to learn about the gifts of the Spirit, I would do a couple things. First of all, research the things in the Bible that you have and just from trusted sources about what you believe and then create create questions out of those. Then go to a church that you believe has, a, has those gifts, whether it's a Assembly of God, um, a non-denominational, and then schedule a meeting with that pastor, either see him in the lobby, get in touch with the pastor and be like, okay, how does your guys' vision statement match up with these questions that I have? 
Right. Okay, if you believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, then how can I grow in these gifts? Because that's part of the fivefold ministry that's mentioned in Ephesians 4, is they're supposed to equip the saints. Right. So if they do not have a pastor that works in the gifts, why not? I need to learn these things. And if you don't have somebody who's going to teach you these things, you need to go to someone who will. Yeah. Does well, that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing the thing is trying to discern, like, okay, are they going to... It's like, because there's going to be some people that are going to be absolutely willing to teach you, but... How do you know they're teaching you, teaching you the right things? I mean, granted, you don't you only know what you know, but uh, there, um, there, I think there are some scripture does lay out some uh, some parameters for us. Um, I think I think and it's as simple as what fruit are they producing? So Galatians five uh, lays out the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. It's like <laughs> it's like if if like what the church is producing. Are those things? If if you go there and like the people, like the people there, are peaceful. They're they're they have self control, or they exhibit they exhibit all these fruits of the spirit. That's somebody to look. That's somebody to look into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you didn't. It's like you know, one thing that uh, it's like it turns me off. Like whenever I go into a church and you know they may have like a couple of these things, but there's no humility. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, it's like I, I'm immediately like i don't know about this yeah and i mean you're not it's like you're not going to find a perfect church because i mean the church is run by imperfect people and absolutely we're all trying to figure it out but you know you got to ask yourself what's the most pre- it's like are these things are the fruits of the spirit more prevalent than you know the uh the bad fruit so to speak yeah absolutely so i would i would say that's one thing you definitely want to look for whenever yeah. you're trying to find a church um there, uh, there are also some really good resources out there from people that I trust are like uh, Francis Chan. He has a book called uh, Forgotten God. Yes. And it, it talks about the Holy Spirit. It talks Absolutely. about the exact thing that we're talking about, you know. And uh, it's it's really uh, helped shape my view of the Holy Spirit, that book in particular. Yeah. And, and also, if you go to YouTube University, you can look up uh, Sean Bowles. He is a great person to look up about learning about these gifts. And also a person that I listen to which um, her name is Jennifer Evas. She is a prophetess who works in the gifts of the Spirit, and they both have resources on YouTube, so that way uh, you can learn about these things. But along with what you're saying about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned, is the Holy Spirit himself is going to tell you whether a person is right or not. If you're seeking the gifts, then he's going to show you who is going to be a legit person to listen to and who not. I mean, a perfect thing is like, like, Sully, have you ever heard a person or talked to a person and just automatically you just feel like I need to get as far away from them as I possibly can? (laughs) Yes. 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 So, like, I believe based on the context, that could be the Holy Spirit telling you, look, look, do not listen to them. Yeah. And so that's a practical example of who to listen to and who not. That is true. And, you know, you know, touching on that a little bit, it's like there there are I think a lot of people are operating in the gifts. But yeah. They, they look like every they, they're hard. It's hard to tell that they're actual spiritual gifts. Yeah, because they look just like no, like discernment looks like discernment. Yeah. So you know, intuition looks like intuition. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but that intuition could be coming from God. Absolutely. And you know, but you're not going to know that if you don't. Number one, know know the heart of God, which you're not going to understand God if you don't read the Bible and like look like seek to understand his character through reading the scriptures. And if you don't, it's like, if you don't have somebody teaching you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's why, uh, like, discernment is a big part of that. And also, it talks about, I believe, in First John two, that the Holy Spirit Himself is going to teach you. Yeah. So if you seek personal time with Him, and if you seek prayer and everything like that, He's going to teach you His Word. He's going to teach you things. He's going to drop. Um, he's going to drop things in your spirit that's going to allow you to say, "This is what I believe. This is what I don't believe." Because if we believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, then that then we need to believe that that person talks. And so that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, and not only that, but uh, I have a friend who has a podcast of her own, and uh, she was actually doing an episode on quiet time and you know spending time with the Lord, and. The way she, that she talks about the Holy Spirit is we need to treat the Holy Spirit like a person. So it can't be just this uh, constant take, take, take and uh, praying, gimme, gimme, gimme. There needs to be a uh, get, there needs to be like a give back. Like we need to be able to yeah. communicate with the Holy Spirit and ask, you know, what what do you want from me to yeah. the Holy Spirit? What is, what's something that I can do to bless you instead of asking for just the Holy Spirit to bless us constantly, you know? It's just like with any other relationship. You can't just like keep asking of people and asking of people and asking people without giving anything back. We need to be able to get, give and yeah. receive from the Holy Absolutely. Spirit. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, like, if you have uh, any, like, questions or anything about this, just, like, just pray. Seek, seek, seek the Word of God and ask some people about this who have the reputation of doing this. And so this is a touchy subject. We're very aware of that. And I understand that the words that we are going to say might have turned you on to this, might have turned you off. Just know that our intention is not to do either. It's just to tell our worldview and just our point of view of what we believe. And so if you uh, thank you for listening to this and uh, we're praying for you and you have and you have a great rest of your day, guys. And give like a verbal countdown. Something like that. You know what I mean? Okay. Three. Oh, sorry. I'm gonna try it like that. I'm gonna try <laughs> he like went that. Sorry. one, two, sorry. three while yeah. going three, two, one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast, we we teach Zach how to count. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, ready.